This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you making space for happiness? I've got a special spot in the fridge for mine, and I pull them out 12 ounces at a time. Today, to make sure you can squeeze some happiness into your life, too, we welcome declutter expert Tracy McCubbin. In our headlines, while crypto has faltered, crypto arbitrage is still a thing. Wait, it was a thing? Well, anyway, what is it? How does it work, and how should you do it? We'll share. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to someone looking to simplify their 401k portfolio. And then, I'll share some slap-happy trivia. And now, two guys, one of which is happy, the other, well, we'll let you decide. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! Happy Wednesday, stackers. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we're so happy you're here with us. Get ready to buckle up, grab your favorite beverage, and uh, pull that recliner back, because we're about to have some money-rific fun with the man across the card table from me, Mr. OG. How are you, man? Money-rific? Money-rific. Hey, can we do, can we have a pact today? Let's let's make a pact. This never works out well for me. Oh, <laughs> it, it doesn't. But this one, Doug, doesn't even apply to you. It applies to the guy sitting uh, kind of between both of us here. But uh, it's it's that we will not use this button today. Because <laughs> holy cow, you wore that thing out on Monday. I mean, that was just, <laughs> I was there and I was worn out that I'm editing the show and I'm like, oh, really? Let's just some, tape over your buttons, OG. Okay. Tape Wait over a minute. the buttons. Hold on. OG, yeah, he, I was going to say, he didn't say you couldn't use the other ones. <laughs> no, 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 no. We just need, Doug, we need to tell OG that if he keeps using those buttons, he's going to go blind. It's going to be... It's going to end up badly. 
Tracy McCubbin here. She has the most watched YouTube video of any uh, that we have on our YouTube channel. So excited she's here. She always brings it. And even if you are a neat freak, she is just a new way of thinking about your money and your stuff that we absolutely love here. And a great time of year too. This is the time of year when we're dragging stuff out of the attic. We're setting up all these special things around our house. We're bringing all kinds of gifts into our life. Maybe if you're lucky, maybe not if you're Doug, but otherwise just fantastic with gifts all over the place. we got Tracy here. we got a great headline. But before all that, I was thinking earlier about uh, crypto, but even before I was thinking about crypto, you know what I was thinking about, OG? This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Tracy McCubbin waiting in the wings, but first a big crypto headline. So let's get this show running. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes to us from SoFi, and it is about a topic that we haven't covered here before. And frankly, the reason that we're covering this is we we noticed that a lot of people that subscribe to our YouTube channel, this is one of the top things that they search, which is, oh, gee, it's called Crypto arbitrage in the piece today is written by Colin Dodds, crypto arbitrage, how it works and trading strategies. So to start off, let's go over what uh, cryptocurrency arbitrage is. 
What's happening here, OG, is that people have noticed that when it comes to crypto versus stocks, traders aren't paying attention to fees. In fact, we've done stories about this in the past where these people that are super analytical about the fee that they pay for a trade on a stock or an exchange traded fund, all of a sudden when it came to crypto, remember the wonder years of crypto? I don't care what the fee is. I'm in. It doesn't matter. And they're trading at these exorbitant fees. Well, this was happening at Robinhood, right? Where you weren't getting a really good execution price, but you got to do it for free. So, well, and that's exactly it. You can, you can even take Robinhood as an example here because the execution price changes from exchange to exchange. So what Mm -hmm. some traders noticed is, Hey, I can buy crypto X. Let's just say that it's Litecoin. I can buy Litecoin on exchange X, take it off that exchange, move it to a different exchange where the price is higher and sell it for a higher price. So these people are making a guaranteed, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 cents a trade, or maybe a dollar a trade, maybe $2 a trade, but they're just making money on the difference between exchange A and exchange B. Now, what's, what's interesting about this is I remember taking my Series 7 back in the early 1990s. This was a thing. I remember our instructor getting all excited about this and talking about arbitrage, where people would buy General Electric stock on the New York Stock Exchange, then they go sell it on the DAX, the German exchange, right? They take all these different exchanges, look at the price, and then they make a guaranteed 10 cents or 15 cents and trade as many as possible, as quickly as possible. So they make these quick guaranteed returns. Not a lot of money, OG, per deal, but if they do enough deals, it ends up being a big deal. You know what's funny about those? Those all went away. And the reason they went away, this idea of arbitrage is these high-speed computers made that go away. That's got to be, that's got to be, if crypto manages to stay around, that's got to be, OG, what's going to happen here, I would imagine. I can't imagine it's already not happening. You'd have to think that in the information age that we have, where just about every known thing is known to every person immediately, right? There's, there's no, there's no secrets when it comes to investing. There's no secrets when it comes to this arbitrage thing. If, if, if all of a sudden one exchange has got a price different, everyone knows that information immediately. And, uh, it wouldn't take a smart programmer very long to be able to build a program to be able to, to take advantage of that. I would think. There are three different types of arbitrage. There's spatial arbitrage, which is the one that, uh, I just mentioned Spatial arbitrage without transferring, uh, the piece says some traders try to avoid the risk of transfer cost and times that spatial arbitrage poses. For example, in a hypothetical case, they may go long Bitcoin on one exchange and short on another, wait until the prices on the two exchanges converge, and then boom, which they do. You know, the, the time, to your point, between those convergences happen at shorter and shorter intervals now. So just right. notice it, hold it, sell it. Boom, I'm done. And then third is triangle. Now, what happens if Bitcoin all goes down by like 70%? Then, see, you make 30 cents, you lose 10 bucks, but you make it up on volume the more often yes. you do that. Okay, all right, got it. Yes, I don't, you got to understand how this works. You got to understand how this works. <laughs> and then triangular arbitrage takes advantage of pricing and efficiencies using different pairs of cryptocurrencies on the same exchange. So with this strategy, they'll start with one crypto, trade it for another crypto in that same exchange, one of which is undervalued versus the first. So they're looking at crypto A versus crypto B, a little bit more more intensive. But overall, for the majority of, of our listeners, majority people watching our YouTube videos who are searching this stuff on YouTube, 
this is strategy we should be uh, employing? I would say, I mean, I can't imagine that this makes sense for hardly anyone, unless you're one of those people that have a just tons of volume to be able to move. We talk about this a little bit when it comes to like your your savings accounts, right? It's like, hey, should I move from bank A to bank B because bank B is paying me 0.1% more? It's like, well, do you have $10 million? Because <laughs> there's an awful lot of paperwork to open a new bank and move the money and it's out, you know, you got to do all that crap and no offense, but your 10,000 bucks on point one is going to make you an extra 10 bucks. I mean, 10 bucks is something, but is it worth all of that energy and effort to, to do that? I, I'm not sure. So if you've got 80 bucks in your crypto account, you're going to arbitrage it at a penny per. Okay. It's going to, it's well, that's probably the- not going to be successful in the manner in which you think it might and be. And that's the question, right? Is is what is the opportunity here? And I wanted to look into that. So this comes to us from MoneyWeb. This is written by Sierra and Ryan. Has crypto arbitrage bounced back? So looking at this, it says it's been a painful few months for those doing arbitrage. It's been a painful few months for anybody doing crypto, period. If you've been sitting in cash, it's been okay. But otherwise, it's been painful for everybody. These arbitrage spreads, it says, have narrowed to less than 1%. But then came the implosion of crypto exchange FTX a few weeks ago and a sudden strengthening in the RAND. This is a South African piece, obviously. In the blink of an eye, the crypto arbitrage market bounced back to life with spreads widening to 3.8% two weeks ago and hovering around 3%. So you're looking at a, at a locked in 3%, which is nothing to sneeze at, OG. If you're using large amounts of money, like locking in a guaranteed three is not bad. However, to your point, how much money are you going to need to devote to, to a strategy that could be used making significantly higher returns? Well, and, and I get it. So, you know, well, I can do, you know, I can make $3 every time I move a hundred, I just have to move the hundred a whole bunch of times. And if I do that twice a day, that's six, that's way more than I'm going to make, you know, investing in my ETF. Sure. Until the one time that it doesn't work. Usually when there's the one side that has the wild return potential, there has to be some sort of offsetting downside exposure as well. There's just no such thing as the free lunch. And so I got to imagine that there's also a timing element involved in here where you have to be, you kind of got to be lucky. Like, Like the author was saying, it was great until it stopped being great. If you happen to have that week off from your arbitrage strategy, you know, you're like, oh, phew, missed, dodged that bullet. But what happens if you weren't? What happens if you got caught holding all of this stuff because the spreads tightened and you're like, I'll hold on to it for a quick minute just to see if it, and then it never did. And then it went down 70%. It's like, how many, how many 3% trades did you have to do? You know what I mean? Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of trades. And even though it's a guaranteed 3% today, to your point, you got to be lucky with that timing. I mean, a, a week ago being 0.7, 0.8. You know, significantly lower returns, a third, less than a third return on that. This idea of arbitrage, I think, may be easier uh, in some other platforms. I know people that do as a job, maybe we should have these people on. They're the flea market flippers, and they actually go to flea markets and they know what these things are really worth online. And they will pick up things at estate sales and, and, and flea markets, and then they will resell them online for a ton more. That, that OG, is arbitrage. There's a little, you know, yeah. there's there's postage and mailing the stuff out, but that's arbitrage right there. I've seen videos of Gary Vanderchuk doing that with little toy cars. Really? 
like he goes to garage sales and buys like, you know, you get the little matchbox cars or whatever. And he'll be like, I'll just take them all. How much do you want for all of them? The guy's like, I don't know, 20 bucks. He's like, all right, cool. Here's 20. And he takes, you know, 700 cars and he throws thumbs through them and goes, this is the one I wanted. And there it was. But the difference is, is that you have something in that example. You know, I mean, it may be $20 worth of toy cars. Sure. If you don't have the one that you want, you have $20 worth of toy cars. And also the opportunity cost is really low. I don't see the same thing being true for buying Bitcoin. Agreed. For anyone interested in these topics and wants to dive dive into them more against uh, My Better Judgment OG, we'll put it in our free newsletter, the 201, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. And Brooke Miller will link to all of these topics and also to the flea market flipping, which, uh, which I think is an also an interesting opportunity for somebody. State sales going on all the time, undervalued objects uh, in your backyard. Maybe an easier way to make money. If you know what you're looking for, sure. If you know what you're looking for. I think that's the key too. I think with those folks is they're experts in a few things. You know what I mean? They're not just blindly walking into like, oh, look, a table. They know tables. Or, you know, I've read those stories about people that go to a yard sale or whatever and find a rare painting or something. It's because they know paintings. It's They didn't look at the lighthouse and go, oh, that's a nice lighthouse. I'll take that. They went, oh my gosh, I think that's a whatever. It's because that's what they know. A hundred other people walk past the lighthouse painting and went, yeah, I don't need a lighthouse. Yeah. You know, that's a so. Kandinsky. It's also not a lighthouse. <laughs> it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a series of lines and dots <laughs> that they thought was a lighthouse. Picasso. I was going to say Picasso, but that would be too. He didn't draw any lighthouses either to my knowledge. But after a couple of bottles of wine, everything looks like a lighthouse. Hey, uh, coming up next, Tracy McCubbin is uh, my favorite uh, decluttering and organizational expert, mostly because she thinks beyond just the tactical tips, right? There's the tactical stuff. And Doug, you were talking about this, about a topic we did last week that we got to get to the root of the problem on a lot of this. And Tracy likes to cut right to the heart of Hmm. why, why we actually have clutter in the first place. And this is the time of year for clutter. So we thought better than January when everybody's trying to clean up the mess, let's not make the mess in the first place and have Tracy on here at the top of the season. Tracy coming up next, but to get us there, Doug, I think you've got a trivia question for us, don't you? I sure do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. We're in the middle of the World Cup right now, just in case you're not in the neighborhood and can't hear me screaming for Belgium. I don't even know if Belgium's any good. I just want to joke about the Belgium dip. Look it up. It's a thing. People take the World Cup seriously, and there's some serious dough being thrown at these players. So my question is, who's the highest paid soccer player in the world? I'll be back right after I go eat these waffles. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? You want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... 
Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Take on this holiday season with the help of Navy Federal Credit Union when you use the Navy Federal Cash Rewards Card. You can earn up to 1.75% cash back on all purchases and you can redeem your rewards as soon as you earn them. And using the Navy Federal mobile app makes redeeming easier than ever. You know, all this talk about rewards is fantastic when you pay off your cards month to month, but don't create a disaster, stackers. Navy Federal knows, and so do we, that the key to a great holiday season is by paying cash until you're able to pay off your card month to month. And then the Navy Federal Cash Rewards Card, fantastic opportunity because you can enjoy the rewards of cash back without any annual fee, balance transfer, or foreign transaction fees. There's no limits on rewards and they never expire while your account is open. Learn how you can get cheer to last all year with the Cash Rewards Card at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, rates are variable and range between 12.65% and 18% APR based on creditworthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Hey there, stackers. I'm Goldfish Grandpa and soccer spectator Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Yeah, I know, they call it football over in Belgium, but then I'd lose the alliteration. Anyway, did you think the highest-paid soccer player was Cristiano Ronaldo? Thanks to his dreamy eyes and $60 million in endorsements? Sure, I bought a Tag Heuer solely because of him, but his salary is a measly $53 million. Get a side hustle, you slacker. Though the highest-paid soccer player has endorsements of just $20 million, a third of Cristiano's, his salary is almost twice as much at $105 million. So, which player earns the most? Kylian Mbappe, who plays for Paris Saint-Germain. And now, like how I said that the right way, kind of all nice job. sophisticated. Yeah. And now, to help us make sure even those guys make room for all those Benjamins and happiness, we welcome Tracy McCubbin. And I'm so happy we're talking to her today. Tracy McCubbin is here. How are you? I'm good, Joe. I want to hug you through the through the computer. It's so <laughs> nice to see you. I think this is I think this is our three Pete. It is. Yes. We need to get you a frequent flyer card. You'll get Excellent. 10% off, 10% off all future appearances, which is great. I love it. I love it. And a free yogurt, a free frozen yogurt. <laughs> of course, right. Yeah, I gotta throw that in. Most people think, okay, we're in the middle of holiday season, Tracy. Thanksgiving was a week ago and, you know, all the big holiday stuff, holiday parties. I want to talk to you now, though, for a specific reason. And that is that as Cheryl and I were hauling these boxes out of the attic, out of the storage places, all of this holiday festive stuff, I kind of realized and thought, and you know more about this than I do, but I feel like in financial planning, nipping things at the root, right, is is the start. And I feel like this month, I feel like, Tracy, this is clutter month. Am I wrong? 
No, it is Clutter Month. Look, there's no coincidence that January is National Get Organized Month that comes after December <laughs> because the onslaught, right? Like the onslaught of the the calendars from your car mechanic and the cards and the like, it's just so much stuff comes in in the month of December. We got to start talking about it. We got to start realizing like, how do we approach this holiday season you know, with not adding more, like not adding more stuff. Well, so how do you do it? How do you do it? I am on a crusade, and I say that very seriously, to change our approach to gift giving. I want to normalize telling people what you really want or asking people what they really want. You know, this idea that we're all supposed to be mind readers and we can know what the other person wants. I have a lovely partner. We're getting married in March. I love him. He's not so good with presents. He tries. (laughs) He's just not. It's just, he, it's self-admitted. He's like, I just, I'm choking, you know? And I'm like, then let's just ask this idea that it's supposed to be a surprise. It's impossible to keep up with. And then also looking at sort of who you're buying for. Are you buying out of obligation? Are you buying out of you know, well, it's tradition. This is what everybody does. Like, are you at a point in your life where you don't have to get every family member a present? Most people have everything they need right now. So I think that there's a way that we can dial back the stuff, especially after what we've been through with the pandemic. Can you give experiences? Can you spend time with someone? You know, I just had lunch with my godmother, 94, you know, and we were sort of talking about come and see her right before Christmas. The lady doesn't need a thing. She's getting ready for her next journey where there is no stuff. And I was like, you know what? I want to visit her once a month in 2023. That's my gift to her. Like she wants time. She wants to spend time together. So I think that this conversation about, I don't know, holiday gift giving doesn't have to be only about more stuff. You're still going to have though things that come in the front door that either you don't you don't want or somebody that doesn't get Tracy McCubbin's memo yet. Um, (laughs) What what do I do? Do I kind of David Allen it? You know, if you're familiar with getting things done and put it in the right place right away. How do we get all this stuff so that I can walk out of December without my tail between my legs? I think you got to start the decluttering. One of the things that I've realized in being in business now for 15 years, that decluttering needs to be a regular practice in your life. There's sort of this idea with some of the other organizers out there that like you declutter once and you're done. It's like, no, 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 the stuff keeps coming. Your life changes, you move, your kids grow up. There needs to be a regular decluttering practice in the same way that, you know, you got to revisit your budget. Your life changes. You make a budget for you when you're kids are little and you're 29 is going to be different than the budget when you're 60. Like it's an evolving thing. And it's the same thing with decluttering. You need a regular decluttering practice. And that's a good thing. It's not like, oh, I'm so messy. It's like, no, no, I need to stay on top of the stuff because the deluge is coming. You know, it always amazes me whenever I talk to you or I read your books or I see you on social media, Tracy, that generally they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but in the, but in your intro to this book, you remind us that your dad, it was, is is the opposite of you. Your dad, you come from a family where your dad was a hoarder. 
Yeah, he still is. He still is. We're dealing with it. And I think it's one of the things that makes me so good at what I do because I know the extreme of it. You know, I've lived it and I've seen it and I know the grip that stuff has on people. And I know that it's not easy to say like, just get rid of it. You know, I really do understand. And as he's aging, we're dealing with it even more. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And interestingly, the last couple of years, a lot of my business, probably about 50% of my business now is helping is senior downsizing or helping people after somebody's passed away. And this is, it's you, so I'll say this, but I've, I've started to say to people like, you buy, 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 and then you die. Like oh, it's just sort, of, it's sort yeah. of our life is like this, you're buying, you're buying, you're buying, and then you die and you have to get rid of it. And, and what are we missing along the way? What are we not doing? What are we not participating? Because we're trying to buy the fancy car or the bigger house or the stuff. It's, it's funny. I thought of you, a tax expert that I like a lot. He's in California as well. His, his name's Sean Mullaney. Sean from a tax expert side talks about not buying things. So he and you, I feel like could be, you know, separated at birth siblings, but he talks about thinking about before you buy anything that this stuff someday is going to end up in a landfill. And, And when you talk about the fact that we buy, buy, then we die then it all goes to the landfill. And then I think, oh, why am I buying that in the first place? But yeah. but I, th- Look, I thought I, about you immediately. Yeah. That's super interesting from that point of view. I mean, I've, I've been saying this, a client's grandmother said that when you throw something away, where's away? I call it the donation myth, where we sort of buy things saying, well, if I don't like it, I'll just donate it. But it's not that simple. Donation places are overwhelmed. Things are staying. What ends up happening is people sort of over donate things that aren't reusable. And then the poor nonprofit has to put valuable resources into throwing your trash away. And that was one of the reasons that I wrote the new book, Make Space for Happiness, is we can't talk about clutter. We can't talk about decluttering if we're not looking at our acquisition. If we're not mm. looking at how the things are getting in our house, We can talk about decluttering all we want, but we're just going to be in this Mobius strip of stuff coming back in. So I was like, we got to talk about the upstream cause of clutter. How's it getting in there? Hint, we're bringing it in. We're buying it and we're bringing it in. (laughs) All of your crusade around this, uh, around consumerism and being more conscious around consumerism, did that all spring from the time that you learned to sew? Because you you go into that again (laughs) early in this book. Yeah, you know, I was lucky enough that when I was in high school, we still had home ec. I took auto shop because my dad was like, you're not getting a license to learn how to change a tire and change oil. I took woodworking and 4-H, you know, I and I was close enough to sort of those generations where we made things and I sewed my prom dress. I think it's time to put it up on social media and all its lavender, satin, goodness, splendor. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, it was a project. And I was like, oh, this takes a lot. So when there are certain things, like when you start cooking and you realize what goes into food, you're like, ah, scones, maybe I shouldn't eat one every day. You know, sewing, fixing things. We don't make anything anymore. So we don't know what goes into it. So because we don't put the sweat equity in, it loses its value to us. Well, I can just throw it away. But when you think about it, the level of consumerism we're operating at really started when manufacturing moved overseas. 
to Asia, right? Manufacturing got cheap, consumer goods got cheap, everybody started buying. But we're not thinking about that thing that you bought, those tea towels at Target were sewn in Bangladesh or Vietnam by people who are being paid lower than a, w- a living wage, put on a cargo boat, put across the ocean, polluting it to stay in a store for you to use for a couple of years to throw in the landfill. We need to draw the cycle so we understand how we're active participants in it. You have, throughout the book, it is organized around these clutter magnets. And I thought if you don't mind, obviously we're not going to get to dig into these, but I'd like to just take them individually, if you don't mind, and give us just a snippet of what each of these magnets are. And then we can give people a little good, uh, a few good tips that they can take with them this year and into next year. But you start off clutter magnet. Number one is true connection. What is true connection all about? That's great. I'm going to go back a little bit so people understand. So having worked with clutter and this for so long, I really started to see like as the stuff was coming back and people's shopping habits, the way I, I visualize it, it's as if all of us are sort of missing a little piece of ourselves, our self-confidence, our self-respect, our love for ourselves. It's almost like a puzzle piece is out. And so we keep buying things that we think are going to fill that missing piece. And so it's like we're almost magnetizing the stuff to fill what's missing in us. And I realized that it's like, oh, this is what we're looking for in the stuff. So true connection is a great example. We think, oh, well, I'm totally connecting with people when I go to the store because that salesperson is so friendly with me and we chat, 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 or I connect through shopping, like retail therapy and me and my girlfriends go shopping. And what we're really looking for is spending time with another person especially when it got taken away during the pandemic. Like we want to, we're, we're pack animals. We want to be with our tribe. So it's not the shopping that's going to make us feel connected. It's the time together. And by the way, all the studies on longevity, one of the biggest indicators of a long life is friendships. One of the biggest indicators is friendships. People who have true long friendships live longer. Well, you and I talked about my experience there, just, you know, coming back to Texarkana was all about friendships and, and knowing how hard it is to get friendships. And, and you know this, Tracy, you've seen these statistics around men that a lot of men die of, frankly, of loneliness, right? As men get older, yeah. they tend to have fewer and fewer friends and they, and, uh, you know, yeah. I, I had an experience years ago with my grandmother had a best friend who was, she must have been in her 80s at the time, and she lived out in the country, you know, 40 minutes outside of town, a big drive for an 80-year-old woman. So she wasn't making it at night. And we went out to visit her, and her house, I think it had like a 100 rolled up, still in the tube, giant, super cheap, fake Persian rugs that, Basically, what we figured out is that some guy was calling her and talking to her a couple nights a week and selling her these rugs. And my grandma was helping her with her bookkeeping and all that. And she spent like $100,000 just to have somebody to talk to. Wow. Number two on the list, strong (laughs) self-confidence. Oh, this is... This was all born out of, if I see those words anti-aging one more time as a marketing tool, I'm like, that is literally, unless you're going to freeze yourself like Walt Disney, I don't know how that's going to happen. 
And look, I live in Los Angeles. I have a lot of movie star, TV star clients. They're all aging. Everybody's aging. It's happening. So that one is about buying things that try and give you the self-confidence, beauty products and diets and vitamins and that our self-confidence is coming from our outward appearance. And look, I love a good beauty product. I love a good face cream. But at the end of the day, self-confidence comes from how do you show up in the world? How are you of service? How do you, you want to feel confident about yourself? Do something kind for someone else. That's where your confidence comes from. You know, we talk about on our show a lot about the lack of personal financial talk in schools. We're learning all the stuff we never use, but we don't cover personal finance. But one class that I had, Tracy, that you bemoan that we don't talk about early in the book, you dive into this rant, which is we don't get any of this media training. Like these first two things that you're talking about truly is understanding marketers and how they work and what they do. Like I just bought some new pants. I bought them online, but I noticed that if I bought another $30 worth of stuff, I would get free shipping. So I end up then scouring the catalog to see if I can get this second thing, which by the way, I didn't really want and I didn't really need. And $30 more is going to come out of my wallet. Well, minus the shipping cost, so maybe $20 more. They're going to get $20 more from me than they would if I had just done what I came there originally to do. Like, But we're not trained that way. I feel like we're trained yeah. to see deals and we kind of fall right into it. Exactly. And also we're not, you know, back in the old days, Joe, when there were three TV channels, right? We had three TV channels. You knew when the commercials were 12 after, 18 after, you got to, got to, we are being marketed to 24 seven, 24 seven. There are commercials, there are ads, there's influencers that we think are just like talking about a product that they're selling it. Like we've lost any sort of media literacy around that or never taught it, especially the young kids. And so we don't realize the rate that we're being marketed to. I mean, one a question people always ask me is like, how do I declutter my inbox? The bulk of everyone's inbox, I would say easily 80%, 90% is marketing emails. Marketing, yeah. Marketing, 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 marketing. Um, as much as I love her, I don't think Michelle Obama is sending me an email every three days. I just don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> you got to address that friendship because that is number I know. true connection, Tracy. True connection, you and Michelle. Come on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then the next one, which is a great one too, which kind of ties it is free time, trying to magnetize free time. So we buy all these gadgets to save us time. Okay. So let's say you bought the shampoo and conditioner mixed in one with that 10 seconds you saved. Did you learn Mandarin? Like, what did you do at that time? <laughs> and I think this is the thing that people, and I know you talk about this. I know your listeners, like you're still buying, you're still spending. Even if it's something's on sale, you know, somebody's like, well, it was on sale for $100. It was normally $200. I saved $100. You're like, no, 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 you spent $100. You didn't save anything. You literally did not save anything. And so I think that we need to understand that we're still buying, we're still consuming. And that's where the stuff comes from. And the stuff is not going to fix us. It's not going to fix us. And I found Tracy is when I bring something into my house that's for entertainment value, 
if it's whether it's the latest board game or if it's a cooking toy that I want, I'm not just buying that thing. I, I'm actually selling off my time as well. And the older I get, the more I feel like if I'm really going to bring this thing into my house, I'm mortgaging time by doing it or I'm wasting money if I don't. So I need to think about the time that's involved as well. I mean, that, that to me feels like a big thing. And also think about not only the time that like, not only do you have to store it and take care of it and eventually get rid of it, but also what's your time worth? Yeah, I bill yeah. hourly. I know exactly what my time is worth. I know exactly what it is. So I'm often doing that calculation. Oh, to buy this thing, I've got to work. I've got to spend three hours working to afford this thing. I don't, I don't like it that much, like three hours. So I think drawing that correlation between not only your time to buy it, but your time you're spent. When you buy something, when you bring something, you become a steward of that thing. You are responsible for it. You're responsible of taking care of it. You're responsible of getting rid of it. You're responsible of adding it to the landfill. And so that's my whole point. My whole point. I'm not saying don't shop. I'm not saying, you know, only have five books and read them over and over again. <laughs> I'm just saying, think about it. Think about it. You're saying we're not changing your name to Tracy McGrinch? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not if you looked at my, not if you looked at my vintage Gucci purse collection. No, you would not think that, <laughs> Each, <laughs> which I do carry all the time, but <laughs> each of these topics that we're, we're doing snippets of everybody are full chapters in Tracy's new book. And like I do, whenever I prep for any interview, I go and I look at the chapter list and this one, there was either a Showtime or an HBO show that was about this. And I'm sure Tracy, you're talking about something different than they were on the <laughs> HBO show. Cause the HBO show is called big love, but it was about a guy who was kind of, yeah, probably yeah, not what you're talking was, about. He was, he was spreading his love around. <laughs> yes. This one is such a great one. This is like, this is really at its core buying and giving to get or find love. Grandparents over buying for the grandkids, they want them to love them. If love is missing in your life, are you shopping to kind of fill that void? I've had so many conversations over the years where people say like, oh, every day after I had a bad day at work, I would go to Marshall's or Ross Dress for Less. And the interesting thing that everybody talks about is I would just hear the click, click, click of the hangers as I was working through the racks and I would start to feel like I, I felt a little better. They're using shopping to try and manage these bigger feelings. And big love is a big one. Like you're not going to shop your way into love. That dopamine hit feels so good at the time, but it's so transitory. I think I, I, someone's going to fact check me on this. I believe that dopamine hit lasts about 17 seconds. And so what happens, and this is very interesting for people who, it's a big word, but feel like they have a shopping problem or a shopping addiction. Like any addiction, you, you know, one glass of wine makes you feel calm and great. So then the second one, then the third one. But then after a couple of weeks of that, it stops working. Like the third one doesn't work anymore. So now you got to have six. It's the same with shopping. Like you buy the new oh. sparkly blouse makes you feel better. Then all of a sudden you get it home and it's just a blouse hanging in your closet. So I'm going to buy more. I'm going to buy more. I'm going to buy more. But then there's the other side of that. I would think that as you buy more and more and more, then there's the dopamine hit, but then coupled with the shame, you must see shame on the other side from people. 
I, I'm working with a client right now who had a huge job, huge, 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 huge job, and spent like a drunken sailor on super high-priced things, very fancy, very top of the line, top of the line. And her life has changed. She doesn't have that job anymore. She's in her late 60s. She's not going to get that job again. And she's like, oh, crap. Like looking at her closet. Oh, I might need this money to live off of. You know, I didn't plan for this. There's real world consequences, real world consequences. Yeah, boy. And that leads us to, by the way, self-respect. And then you go into real purpose and lasting wisdom. I think, you know, I'm going to let uh, <laughs> let our let our listeners dive into that on their own if they'd like to pick up the book. Of course, you know, we're big into audiobooks here, obviously, being a podcast. And, people love those. Yep. I recorded the audiobook. Oh. I'm the narrator. So if you want to spend a little more time with me, you know, the audiobook is great. This is actually, it's funny. This is, I really think this is a great audiobook. And there's no clutter. You're not throwing the audiobook in a landfill, it's just a file. Ex exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Although I told you this before, Tracy, your books always look great out. Like if you create a book, it's always going to have a great look to it. And it's just, it's, you make pretty books. I want to ask you this. I was wondering this, as you mentioned, you've been doing this for a long time. What is the most annoying piece of quote advice about decluttering that you hear that just, it just won't go away and it needs to go away? You mean from other organizers or excuses yes. my clients live? No, 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 no. From other organizers <laughs> and just in the community, like this doesn't work. It's crap. It's not good. It's not, what, what's that? It's what's missing in what other organizers are saying. Very, very few people. It's just no one's talking about how hard it is. No one's talking about the emotional component. They're like, put like with like and make your little piles. Keep, donate, give away you know, and just do it. And it's like, if everyone could just do it, it would have been done. No one's taking into account that it's emotional, that someone's lost a parent and they've got to clean out their house or a breakup or physically they can't do it anymore. There's like a whole component that just gets left out in these blurbs about how to get organized. You can't talk about our stuff and not talk about the emotions. So less than like bad advice, it's like missing advice. Why aren't you guys talking about this? You know, it's funny because Cheryl and I had this discussion last week. There are these mementos that she and I have. Tracy, nobody's going to care about them after I go away, but it, it is physically impossible for me to get rid of that thing because it means so much to me. Yeah. But, but still knowing that it sits in the drawer nine tenths of the time, I never look at it. But when I do look at it, the first thing I think is, man, I should probably throw this away. I'm like, oh, but I can't. <laughs> Oh, but I can't. And here's the thing. I think that's such a great thing to say because I think the important part of that is that when you leave this mortal coil, whoever's job it is, they can throw it away or donate it or get rid of it. You know, so many people are so concerned with what happens to their stuff after they pass. And I'm like, well, you're not going to care. So <laughs> what does it matter? You know, I will come back and haunt you. I will haunt you no, if you no, throw no, that Joe. away. Joe, I have never had a client get haunted. Never. I have been tracking. I keep <laughs> going back to people. No one has ever been haunted. I'm, I'm waiting for it. 
I'm starting to see that some of my fantastic, I call my little old lady clients, you know, in their 70s and 80s, they're just amazing. And there's this new trend right now where they're giving away all their jewelry now. They're like, I'm not going to wear this anymore. I want to give it to my niece. I want to give it to my granddaughter. I want to see them enjoy it while I'm still alive. And I am all for that. The new book is called Make Space for Casper the Friendly Ghost. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> makes, make, make Space for, for Happiness, How to Stop Attracting Clutter and Start Magnetizing the Life You Want. I love that word magnetizing. Just fantastic. Tracy, great work as usual. Happy holidays to you and yours. Congratulations on the wedding coming too. That's awesome. I know. I'm getting married. I'm very excited. Thank you, Joe. It's always good to talk to you. I love it. I love connecting with you and your listeners, and I love being a three-peat. I'm Jen from the Frugal Friends podcast, and when I'm not cutting the end of the toothpaste tube off to get that last little bit of toothpaste, I'm stacking Benjamins. Huge thanks to Tracy McCubbin for stopping by. Oh, gee, I know this hits a little close to home for you because you have this issue in your family too, a family member that has difficulty bringing stuff into their life. We're working on it. Doesn't, doesn't every family? Sure seems like it. I mean, it seems like in every family, whether, you know, one of the, one person or one of the spousal partners is a little bit more attached to stuff than the others. There, There are college syllabuses in my basement right now that haven't been thrown out <laughs> in like 35 years. So I'm not naming names, <laughs> but it's not you, <laughs> but it is difficult. And I think it, I, I think she makes a great point when she says that we don't understand marketing guys. Like we, we understand a lot of things. Like we talk about personal finance, but we don't talk about marketing a hundred dollars out of your pocket. Even if you got a 50% discount, is still more stuff in your home. And number two, you still spend a hundred bucks. And this idea of just, we need to buy more and buying equals happiness. I think it's a great time of year to hear that message. That it's not, by the way, OG, just telling you that it's not. The message is that. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, this is awkward. Um, well, anyway, I'll take back all the stuff I got you guys. Because, you know. Speaking of that, by the way, did you guys see Budweiser's uh, tweet right after uh, Cutter announced that there would be no alcohol at the games and they're the official like beer provider of all the games? No, because I'm not watching anything about the World Cup. So They had a tweet that just said, well, this is awkward. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fabulous. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Houston. Interesting. Yeah, but now I think they have a deal. If, if, if I got this right, they had a deal where uh, uh, the winning country, they're going to give away a bunch of this beer that's sitting in warehouses now. I think I saw that too. Mm, delicious. Warm cutter beer. And it's been in shipping containers for 10 weeks waiting in the to be. heat in the desert. What could yeah, possibly go wrong with that beer? But wait a minute, it's Budweiser. Who cares? It's going to be the same. <laughs> you won't know. You won't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Budweiser, if you'd like to sponsor the show. Just kidding. I'm sure it's great. Yes. Budweiser. Everybody loves a warm bud. (laughs) Budweiser will tweet right after they hear this episode. Well, that was awkward too. You know, I wonder if they got more marketing value than the 75 million that they spent, or at least equaled that, you know, got their money out of that with all of this press, you know, no, no press is bad press. It's like Mac and his mattresses uh, with that bet. You know, the dude in Houston that was selling mattresses and had that bet, 
Oh, yeah. Economic professors took a look at the amount of money that dude made off of just the free advertising he got from that bet. Way more. Oh, yeah. Way, way, way more. Just some, well, some great marketing. And another example of that, and something that I watch religiously, is Neil Lane on The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. That dude's <laughs> given away a thirty or $40,000 ring. And, I mean, he's getting way more value. Those shows are gold, by the way. <laughs> I am a proud watcher of those shows. Before we pontificate too much about that, Doug, I have to say, <laughs> let's throw out the Avon Lifeline. Sorry. It's just in the in the program. We have to move on. I don't know oh. why. Let's throw out the Haven Life Live. Tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Uh, right now, it's uh, cough syrup. Uh, I guess so. You've been using uh, the mute button judiciously. I feel bad for you. Yes. I'm glad indeed. it's a wide card table today. Yes. Is that why he sort of seems a little drunk right now? A little, a little night he's, he's like mainlining the cough syrup. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm a going. very anti-medicine, generally speaking. You know, just kind of let nature do its thing. But I did the Tamiflu last week because I was sick and it didn't do shit. Didn't do a thing. I was still dead for, I mean, it's been, it's been over a week now. And so at least my fever is gone. I don't think I've ever taken Tamiflu, but is it, I thought I'd heard it was supposed to shorten the duration of the illness, but not necessarily reduce the symptoms. Is that right? It doesn't change the symptoms, correct? What it's supposed to do, as I understand it, because, you know, I went to virology school. This is great. We got three um, scientists talking about this. (laughs) There might be somebody in our, somebody in our audience is cringing right now. No, the way that it was explained to me is that, you know, when you start getting ill, it kind of increases, you know, you get sicker and sicker and sicker, and then you kind of plateaus and then you get better. What I understand it is that it makes that plateau happen sooner but not necessarily change as much of the experience. It's not like, oh, now I'm better. It's like, now you still are sick for a considerable amount of time. It's just you don't get to the like, and then I went to the hospital stage. You just kind of sucks for a while. I want to I want to make one of those drugs analgesics, as they'd say, because who's to know? Like OG wouldn't know if he was going to be sick for six weeks. He's like, well, I guess it's shorter. I'm, I still don't feel great, but maybe I would have been sick for like another month. So this stuff's amazing. Doug's the guy that would be out in his garage spray painting white pills blue just to sell blue pills to people. <laughs> Look at it, it works. I might have only lasted 15 <laughs> seconds, but now I'm lasting 30. <laughs> it's amazing. What a great drug. All through the miracles. So yes. Where did we go? Oh, it says your loved ones in your time. Well, your loved ones. And your time. Yeah. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for your free quote. At Haven Life, they're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance. Their application, it's simple. It's online. You'll get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and of course, all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. No waiting for a decision. Great customer support. Today, uh, we're going to throw out the Lifeline to... An anonymous caller. And you know what? Over on my Afford Anything appearances, Paula and I, OG, we give every caller a name. What would you like to call this uh, woman calling in? Janet. Janet. Is there a reason why you're calling her Janet or just Janet? He's a big threes company fan. (laughs) Picked a name out of a hat, bro. He didn't didn't give me much to go on. There we go. It's It's so exciting. 
Hi, Joe and OG. I'm such a fan of your show. Thank you so much for making personal finance so much fun to listen to. My question revolves around a 401k. I would like to simplify my portfolio. Currently, I have about six to seven funds, and I would like to change it to just hold three funds. Um, My question is, if given that the market is down, does that mean that if I move to the three fund portfolio that I would realize the losses since I would be selling my current funds and then moving into the three fund option? Um, Not sure if it's a good idea, if that's the case. So should I, I'm wondering if I should just move my current contributions moving forward to the fund portfolio I want and keep everything as is. What do you think would be a good option for someone who wants to simplify their funds like me? I would love to hear your thoughts and your insights around this topic. And given that the holidays are upon us, I would like to gift my t-shirt to Doug. So thanks again. Bye. Oh no. Oh. oh no. That's the best call we've ever had. Sadly, that's against the rules, but uh <laughs> that package may get lost in shipping. It may shipping it all the way across the card table here maybe maybe a little difficult. We would love to love to do that. But we have a very serious question here, OG. She wants to make things simpler. Often like Tracy McCubbin talked about, simpler sometimes better. Simpler uh she wants to make it simpler. What do you think she does? Well, firstly, six or seven funds in a portfolio is probably not too many. It depends on the account balance, but it's not 12 or 15. So so six is probably okay. But if you want to make it even more simpler, nope, not more, just simpler, then um, three is nice too. So when it comes to uh, making a decision about rebalancing, I think you have to be concerned with the gain or loss you know, in in those positions, if it's a regular investment account, if it's a non 401k or non retirement type account, because there's going to be some tax implications. As far as rebalancing in a qualified account, a retirement type account or 401k, there's no tax implications. So you're really quite, quite literally just thinking, okay, how do I want this to be? Where do I think is the best place for my money now? You know, so as long as you maintain a very similar asset allocation, let's say that between all of your six funds, 70% is invested in equities and 30% is in fixed income. So maybe you'll take one of your funds and that's your fixed income fund and the other two are your equity funds. It's going to be the same asset allocation. You probably own a lot of the same stuff anyway, overlapping. So, so it doesn't much matter in terms of the timing of that especially since there's no tax implications, I don't see any reason why you can't rebalance it to the way that you want it, set your new contributions to the way that you want it, even if the market's down a little bit. I would not change my asset allocation right now, though. So if you're 70-30, 70 70% equities and 30% fixed income, I wouldn't say, well, now's the time I want to be (laughs) 50-50. Too late. You got to (laughs) wait. You you don't want to take all of the loss that comes with the volatility of being heavy stock and and not get any of the return. So so then you'd have to wait. But otherwise, you're going to keep the allocation the same, give or take. Have at it. Make it simpler. I'd like to address a broader question that she talked about, which is the three fund portfolio. And some people may not know what these are, but for people that do know what these are, 
I just OG want to caution people because there's a there's a phenomenal book out by a gentleman named JL Collins that advocates buying the total market index. And I love this. For people just starting out OG, what better way to start out than buying just one fund, just one thing? There's a gentleman named Paul Merriman who's in the Pacific Northwest. Paul, when I was speaking to him, and I wish I'd recorded this part of the interview, said that his three fund portfolio was because he believes that for people that are going to manage their own money, their own asset allocation, to keep it simple is good, but you definitely need more than the one fund as your portfolio gets bigger, which is why he came up with a three fund portfolio, which is what our caller is referring to, because he thinks you need a little bit more. And here's the real point on what I think Paul is talking about that truly frustrates me. A lot of our listeners are people that will save every dime, will make conscious purchases, you know, with Tracy McCubbin here today, they make sure they make conscious purchases. They run a tight ship. They run a great budget. Everything is very analytical. And then it comes to their asset allocation. And because they're afraid of this thing that's, that we call the efficient frontier, and they don't realize how much money they're giving away by not getting on the efficient frontier, they decide, well, you know what? I'm not getting off the ship. And they stick with a one fund portfolio and give away money. And it drives me crazy, OG. It truly drives me nuts to see these people analytical in every other part of their life, not getting just a sled. The bad news is, as you know, it's not that difficult. And to your point, having six or seven funds is not that, again, depending on the size of your portfolio. And don't get me wrong here, guys. If you're starting out, one fund, what I love about JL Collins' book is it takes that away from people. People are like, I don't know what to invest in, so I'm not going to start. Well, crap, just start. Just start. Buy one fund and JL Collins shows you, you could have one fund for life and you're going to get there, but it's not the most efficient way. And if you're somebody yeah. that it wants to be efficient in your life, having six or seven funds, not that, not that bad a thing. I'm with you. Merriman also takes it even a step further and says, and he gets all the way up to his, his level 10 portfolio or whatever he calls it, you know, which adds emerging market and small cap value and stuff like that. And he talks about it. He does a, I don't know, blog article or something every year, basically, which goes back through this at the beginning of every year. Easy to find. Maybe we can find it for the um, yeah for the two hundred one, and that's kind of his point. Is like portfolio one is buy one of everything, easy, you know, and then you go from there. And I also agree with you that doing something is a bajillion times better than doing nothing. So if your answer is I don't care what these knuckleheads are saying, I'm going to buy one total total market fund or one target date fund and that's going to be the rest of my life you will be perfectly successful doing that because you've got to control the things that you can control which is investing period leaving it alone period and putting tons of money in those are the only that's that's it i think the other side of that coin to play a little devil's advocate with you joe is people who ignore items two and three on that list and say, well, I'll make it up because I've got 32 funds. Oh, I, I'm going to yeah, really right, be analytic right. about my efficient right. frontier. Right. I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and I'm going to have, I'm going to have this thing wired. But meanwhile, I'm not going to save enough money. I, I think it's a greater, it's a greater crime to just not save money. It's better to just invest it and put it into an 80% solution, so to speak, than it is to have a hundred percent solution, but not enough money to get you there. Thanks for the question, Janet. You know, we don't usually do this, but I have a second one. 
How about this? We're getting crazy today on the show. A second Haven Lifeline call. Uh, this one uh, comes from our friend Janelle. Hi, guys. This is Janelle from Wisconsin, and I have gotten really confused lately on the practice of tipping. I understood it when I would go to a sit-down restaurant and I would add 15 to 25% to the bill for the underpaid waitstaff based on the service I received. The last few years, though, I've noticed more occasions that I am presented with the opportunity to tip. At counter service restaurants, when I order online and walk into the restaurant to pick up my order off of a shelf, and even at some retail small businesses, I'm not really sure what I'm basing my tip on or who I'm tipping in these situations. I'll admit, I tend to lean a little towards the frugal side. Should I just start assuming that any time I spend money and see people, I may be asked to add 20% to the cost? Do you follow some self-determined rules on what to tip and how much in each of these situations? I'm looking forward to hearing what you all think, especially since Doug's now part of the conversation. Wow. Two, two people giving props to Doug today. I'm feeling the love. Is it your birthday? Is it your Purdue is in the, is in the big 10 championship. Two callers were nice to you. Damn. OG play it, Man. play it. Come on. Your fingers right there. Play it. It's just like, <laughs> it's gotta be a dream. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Is a dream? <laughs> Turns out this episode never made it. We're living in a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because it's Janelle and Wisconsin guys, I got an idea. Like, let's not even answer the question today. Let's forget answering it today. Why don't we do a full episode on this on Friday? Let's do Whoa. it. What do you well, think, I, OG? Deal. Deal. I'm in. I ain't got nothing else going on. Since she's one of my favorite callers ever. Yeah. Yes. I'm all about dedicating an episode to her. Kidding me, question. Janelle? We're going to do a full episode. And you know what? We'll make it even better. Let's invite our friend Barbara Sloan on who, who wow. has worked in the, what she calls the tipped economy, right? Uh, people that live off tips and she's kind of our expert. We'll yeah. have Len Penzo do it too. What do you guys think? I'm in. Sounds like infotainment to me. Janelle, you're welcome. You owe me a 20% tip for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Janelle, Janelle's probably a math whiz and is realizing now how much she paid for this podcast. So just add 20% to that number, Janelle, and you're good. Uh, seriously, thanks for that uh, question. And what a great lead into a great show we've got planned for Friday. And Barbara Sloan is somebody who, man, we're overdue on having Barbara on the show because we met her, Doug, we met her back at Economy and yeah. laughed our heads off meeting her. This woman's funny. She's engaging. She knows her stuff about tipping. So that's going to be on Friday. Super smart. Something happening this week, guys, we are debuting our first Stacking Benjamins guide, and our first guide is dedicated to your benefits package. If you're dealing with your benefits and you're not sure exactly what to do, the Stacking Benjamins team has your back. We have compiled a great guide, and not only is it a great guide today, but the average person, they stay in one job for two and a half years. This guide comes with lifetime access, so once you purchase the guide, Average person changes jobs every two and a half years. You have access to this forever. So as the rules change, as you change jobs, you forget where you put it, where you downloaded it to, we've got your back. As we add things to it, it is a lifetime access, stackingbenjamins.com slash benefits. So you, if you're changing benefits, changing jobs, somebody you know, changing benefits, changing jobs might be a good holiday gift for them. And the cool thing is it's digital. 
So it's not something to Tracy McCubbin's point. It's not something that you stick on a shelf and you can re-download it whenever. All right. That's that. Stegybenjamins.com slash benefits. Last but not least here though, if it's more than benefits or simplifying your portfolio or how to tip, you are really worried about all the chatter around a recession and concerned about the market. OG and his team put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. By the way, how many of these eight moves, OG, center around crypto arbitrage? Uh, almost, almost one, <laughs> but rounded down to zero. <laughs> this guide will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So head over to stackybenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackybenjamins.com slash guide. Get this helpful free guide from OG. Thanks for that, OG. There's a present right there. That's going to do it for us today. As we mentioned a few times, we'll see you back here on Friday, everybody. Doug, you got it from your man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Tracy McCubbin. Being organized isn't just about picking up things you've purchased and putting them neatly away. It's more about being thoughtful with your purchases in the first place. Can you purchase fewer things this holiday season? Second, crypto and arbitrage together? Yeah, shrinking margins today and fewer opportunities tomorrow spell a strategy you should probably pass on. But the big lesson? When it comes to being the highest paid in the world, don't just think about your salary, consider those endorsements. Hey, Ma, have my people call the Belgians. What? Oh, that's right. I don't have people. Thanks to Tracy McCubbin for joining us today. You can find out more about her book, Make Space for Happiness, wherever books are sold. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
Hey, I know we share. Uh, <laughs> I I know we share a lot in common with the movies we like. So I thought I'd go over three movies that you guys are sure to watch. Yeah, can we can we listen to all three trailers back to back to back as well? Uh, well, with three, I don't think we have time for trailers. You know how much Doug. I love that. I know. Oh, shucks. Yes, I do like the trailers. Uh, but 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 let's let's do these in order. I went to see the new uh, Wakanda movie. Uh, you guys have any interest in in the Marvel movies? Zero, none. Good deal. But let's talk about it. <laughs> It's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I I loved, first of all, the respects that they paid to Chadwick Boseman, who I thought was a fantastic actor. They begin, you know, on any Marvel movie, they have that thing where they show the Marvel logo and all of the, in inside the letters. If you've ever seen a Marvel movie, you know what I'm talking about. Inside the letters, they show like comic books of all the different Marvel characters you know, kind of moving inside as they're showing Marvel Entertainment across the screen. This time it was all Chadwick Boseman inside those letters doing different movies, uh, which I thought was great. And at the end, they also have a nice tribute to him, uh, a nice scene at the end, which really pays respects to him. This movie is beautiful. The cultural things around the Wakandan culture I thought were fantastic and fun, like I did in the first Black Panther movie, which I really liked. Wakanda's not a real place, though, right? So, No, but I like the cultural stuff as well in the other fake place that they talk about, which is this this place based on so the Mayans. you like the make-believe culture? I did. <laughs> but did, did you get the same thing? Did you like the Lord of the Rings? Like the cultural stuff Never in the Lord it. of the Rings? Okay, well, Never there you it. go. You know, I get into these, I get into the world. I think that this, this high technology world is a pretty cool place and they combine it with another world based on the Mayans and the output then of these gorgeous places and these interesting people is the world's most boring paint by number story that takes three freaking hours to tell. It is so boring. This movie, I got halfway done. I leaned over to Cheryl. I'm like, can we leave? Like, I seriously just want, I sh- and I should have. Just spoiler, there's nothing in the second half of this movie that redeems the first half of the movie. Just, it is a, uh, it is, it, it is so not good. It just. I feel like we've already talked about this as long as you paid attention to the movie. Three hours later. <laughs> it's been three minutes. <laughs> Glad you guys are into this. That's great. So, like so I know this movie got great reviews. I just, I just don't see it. Like I don't, I, I I don't know. I didn't like it. Uh, another movie getting very good reviews that we went to see is a movie that has a plot line very similar to a movie that I liked. I really liked the movie Spotlight that was up for a bunch of awards, and it's about the Boston Globe tracking down uh, the priests and, and all of those horrible incidents and how they did it. And I think the magic in that type of storytelling is... The point by point, we figured this out. We got this person to talk. We found out this. We found out that. So Cheryl and I went to see She Said, which is about the New York Times going after Harvey Weinstein. And it is very, very similar to that. Although when you look at some of the graphic things on screen, it's much more about the Watergate investigation and uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, Robert Redford, you know, playing. All the president's men. Yes. It, it, th- there are so many scenes that are set up, Doug, the same way cinematically 
the place where she said actually lost me was a little bit in the middle. It's a very strong beginning, very strong end. The middle gets muddy because they don't tell you why the hell they're talking to somebody, which is, I think the whole magic of spotlight was we got to go talk to this person and see if we can get them to say something. And then they don't, or they do. And when the dam breaks in both of these movies, you get the same thing you got in all the presence men where all of a sudden all the pieces start to fall together. So a little bit muddled in the middle, decent movie. I don't know. I give it a six and a half on a scale of one to 10 Wakanda closer to a four. Uh, and just because it's pretty and, and, and I get into this world building stuff. Uh, the third movie I saw, you can go see at the theater or you can go, or you can watch on Apple plus and it's called spirited and it's a, uh, irreverent retelling of the Scrooge story, a Christmas Carol starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. And this thing is freaking hilarious. It is a, it is, you know, the whole idea of musicals sometimes makes me roll my eyes. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This thing is so fun. It's so reverent. Both those guys just bring it. The The songs even I got into, just the whole thing, I'm laughing. I think this is going to be another Christmas uh, classic. I truly do. Spirited seems... Seems really good. Oh, gee, as I know. As good as Elf? Did you, did, would you watch it again as much as you watch Elf? Uh, I would not watch it just because the whole, you know, I don't watch a Christmas Carol. Like, and I watch, I like some of the retellings of the Christmas Carol. I like those. Um, I don't watch those as much, but Elf is, Elf is, you know, one of those, Elf and Christmas Vacation I could watch every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so. This is, this is more once every four or five years. I would watch this movie. Okay. Uh, I think I watched Christmas Vacation four times in a row yesterday. <laughs> like it was yeah. on TNT and yeah. it just stayed on. I was like, oh, I, you know, this is the part that I went out and had a sandwich I think at last TBS time. runs Christmas Story like for a week straight, back to back to back, just to give their people a vacation, I think. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> because I think that movie's just on. For, if you just look in your guide on your TV, it's just, you know, goes on forever. Yeah. Spirited is so fun. And they have these hilarious pieces and I'll only give one away. They're in the middle of this scene and all of a sudden Dame Judy Dench comes by, just walks like right up to the screen and says something across the screen and walks out the other side. And Ryan turns to Will and goes, wait a minute, was that? He goes, Dame Judy Dench? And Ryan goes, yeah. Oh God, I love her in everything. I bet she was going to make this so much better. Like it just... So good. So they break the fourth wall and Uh, a couple times. Yeah. I I thought it, I thought it was good. Uh, I really like it. Whether you have uh, Apple plus or, you know, make it a family trip to the theater. I thought it was a good time. So big, big thumb up for spirited. I think both you guys would like those movies. I think you'd hate the other two. So there you go. All right, guys, I got, I, I got three movies to unpack just very quickly. If that's all right with you. Wow. Okay. Is that all right? I mean, I don't have objections, although other than it sounds like a lot and the movies probably suck. <laughs> wow. Same. <laughs> oh well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be 
a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.